This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by the one and only Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Doing good, Mr. Metcalf. We're recording a little early today, but um, you know, Metcalf's Metcalf's on the on the grind later today. You're going to be live in action, aren't you, sir? Yeah, I, I appreciate your flexibility. You know, I, I get a, a special opportunity to go go check out some of the gopher and uh buckeye prospects in person tonight so excited to go see cam christie for Payne, dawson garcia uh felix opara scotty middleton hopefully he gets legitimate minutes tonight who knows roddy gale it should be fun um so you know recording this a little earlier in the day thanks for everyone already tuning in uh you guys are the best and continue to be so but we we, we got a fun one today we're just gonna have um a mailbag for about half hour or so get into the stock game based on uh Corey's updated uh community rankings um that he put out last week uh me him and albert also ran through those uh yesterday or on thursday's pod uh so make sure to go check that out as well and then we're gonna wrap up with the usual kind of green room and dive right into rookie roulette with case and wallace and for covering Kaysen. Uh Andrew Schlecht was kind enough to come back on the show and talk talk with me about one of uh, the Thunder's most intriguing kind of young pieces going forward. So full slate today, Rucker, let's just dive right into the mailbag. Um, you sent out a tweet yesterday asking for questions. Uh, my notifications were on fire after that. So hit, hit me with it because I, I know we got a lot of them. A lot of them, a lot of them, probably uh, a lot of questions that me and you are going to have to get into deep thought. And thank you for everyone for sending this. We're going to try to get as many possible questions as we can because of how wide open this draft is. Some of these questions are just the sickos are really deep 
and their thoughts. So, you know, let's, let's start out with a little Spurs question from our man, Noah. Um, Noah asked which wings between modest Bazellus, Ron Holland, Cody Williams, and Zachary Richesche, do you like most for the Spurs? Metcalf, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's got to be Richesche. Um, He's number one on my board. And I think I'm not really sure that there's a lineup that I don't love him in, um, especially at the top of the draft, let alone anywhere. He just feels like one of those low maintenance, highly efficient, uh, two-way versatile guys who has the potential to be the best player in this draft when everything's said and done. So just his length, his consistency this year, his numbers shooting um, in transition, even defensively, they've all been really, really good. And they've been consistent from start to finish. Um, so I, I I don't see how he's not a top three guy at minimum uh, right now. So he, he's a pretty easy answer for me right now. Yeah, I think Reese Shea would be the number one if you were making a board about the Spurs and we're only focusing on wings. I think Reese Shea would be at the top for me. Um, I guess let's let's try to get deeper on this because we both know we love Zach. Where would you? What would be the rest of your rankings there? Would Cody be at number two for you? So it, it was Zach, Cody. What were the other two? The Zealous or Ron Holland? So the Ignite guys, Cody Williams, and then our boy Zachary Reese Shea. So. Yeah, it'd probably be in that order for me, honestly. It'd probably be Zach, Cody, Matos, and then Ron. I think so for me, too. I I think this is a very big upcoming stretch for Bazellus, which I would not be shocked if Bazellus gets ahead of Cody, if he could really start to cook. Um, mm-hmm. Talked about it in my piece today about, like, this is a very important stretch for Bazellus with Ron Holland out for the rest of the year. Like he's going to get peppered with touches and minutes and it's time for him to really spread his wings. And if he can do that, I think he's going to be the one name that heats up the most could get in that top three conversation, potentially if the outside shot starts coming around. So, you know, I I would still lean Richie at number one for me for the Spurs, but I also could see maybe they do love Ron Holland. Maybe, maybe it's a roll of the dice there. But for me, I probably would say Reese Shea, Cody, Bazellas, Holland. And I, I love Holland still, so I don't want everyone to think like, oh, these guys don't like... I think me and you like Holland still. Yeah, and all four of those guys are top eight for me right yeah. now. Um, I, I, I just think the the kind of variance and outcomes with Holland is still kind of the greatest, um, even though he might still have the highest ceiling out of all of those guys. Um, I'm just more confident in the kind of peaks that Risa Shea, Cody uh, can hit. And I still think Modest is going to shoot it. And at minimum, having a 6'9", 6'10", 40-plus percent spot-up shooter uh, who has improved defensively, especially with his weak side rim protection and stuff, um, it's a pretty solid baseline to have. I completely agree. Um, all right, let me get another question here. Let's stay with Bazellus. Kind of a... Uh... Draft philosophy, scouting philosophy question here from MP, a.k.a. at Kevin Gelly Stan. We love that. When you are going about evaluating shooting with prospects, how much do you weigh recent data versus high school data? Example, Bazella is shooting 26% this year versus 43% at Sunrise Christian. Is the form more indicative of future success or the stats? I'm going to let you take that one first, <laughs> just because I'm looking up some some stats for other questions we got coming on. Yeah. Some deeper names. Um, this one's always a little tricky. I I really, I, I rarely put a whole lot of 
um, weight on like high school shooting percentages, just because the disparity in typically the disparity in size, athleticism, uh, skill uh, based on competition is so vast. Um, what I look at more is shot attempts, um, volume, difficulty, that kind of stuff combined with the form. So, you know, I, I think with Buzelis, he's not the only guy that we've seen really struggle transitioning straight from the high school line to the NBA line. And it's not just the distance that he's adjusting to. It's the pace of play. It's the heightened physicality. It's the, you know, increased minutes, the increased games played. And that takes a real toll on your legs and your stamina and your endurance and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I'm really not that worried that he's shooting 26% from three or whatever the number you said was. Um, I don't think he's going to be a 44% three point shooter in the pros like he was in high school. Um, I think he's going to fall somewhere probably in the the high thirties uh, for his whole career when everything's said and done. But I also wouldn't necessarily label him as an elite shooter in this class because I don't think he's taking a lot of like the really high difficulty shot attempts that we see from guys um, like Jordan Hawkins, his last year at UConn, I think his three point percentage was like 37, 38, like high thirties. Uh, same with Benedict Matherin, but you would never classify those guys as kind of mediocre average shooters because they were taking such high difficulty shot attempts. So when you look at those guys, shot attempts, like the difficulty, the variety, the movement um, compared to Buzelis, they're just different. They're different types of shooters. Um, so I, I think Buzelis has real, real legit upside as just a spot up knockdown shooter, you know, as an outlet in the corner, top of the key, that type of stuff. But I think if you're thinking about him as a Cam Johnson movement shooter or someone who's going to be running off screens and knocking stuff down and consistently creating for himself and knocking down step backs consistently, I, I think that's kind of billing him in an incorrect light. Completely agree. I think high school stats are always very, very, um, I would say I'd be, I'm cautious towards the high school stats. Obviously if you're, you know, one of the top 10 prospects and you're putting up just freak of nature, you know, five blocks or four steals, like, yeah, that's really impressive. But I think the three point shooting percentage always is a little concerning of like, Oh, he shot 45%. He must be an unbelievable shooter. I think we're seeing that with Buzella is like, I had my concerns doing it there and then also letting that translate into the next part of his game was something I wanted to see if it, if it really did happen before I put him as this, oh, he's a lethal outside shooter that's going to be dominant. I'm waiting for it to turn around because me and you have talked about it on, on previous episodes with Bazella staying with him. He's taking steps forward. They're not mm -hmm. huge steps, but they are baby steps. And the the one thing that could really get his stock cooking again is if that outside shot comes around on a more consistent level. I buy the form. I'm usually someone that I'm buying the form if if I have questions, like especially if they're a one and done prospect where it's like, hey, they didn't shoot it the way we're thinking, but it's only going to be their only year. I'm leaning towards buying the form moving forward compared to you know, if someone's been at college for three years and they haven't really found their groove from deep, but the form looks okay, I might be a little bit more cautious if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, all right, fine. I'll move on to another question. That was a good one. Okay, we had a couple of questions about Deron Holmes. So I'm going to kind of 
compare combined two of these. Talentless asked one about Deron Holmes as prospects. How far are Filipowski and Deron Holmes for you? What are the biggest separators between them? Can either play power forward full time slash have off skill offensive skills to be a forward and defend on the perimeter against forward wings. And then we also had someone that said, or Trevor, our boy Trevor said, what team is an ideal fit for Deron Holmes? So we can kind of workshop workshop that one. He's really good. Metcalf. He's Um, having a hell of a year. He's having a hell of a year. I looked up his numbers, his recent numbers actually right before we hit this because a couple of weeks ago, I did a scouting notebook, and I was like, I think we're all sleeping on Deron Holmes. That was for the No Ceilings Plus subscribers. Love you guys. And his last 11 games, he's averaging 22.8 points, 9.3 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 2.2 blocks, shooting splits of 57, 32, 68 on 3.1, three-point attempts per game. I've been cooler on him throughout the year. And Same. then when I did that scouting notebook, I went back and watched Holmes, and I was like, my man is doing work. And I've just loved what I've seen. Wouldn't shock me if he's, you know, I think he belongs in the first round right now for what he's doing on the court. Probably. Um, but the fit is very interesting. What What are your biggest differences? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but that question said Filipowski between Deron Holmes and him. What are the biggest differences for you? Is it um, the idea that we're buying the shot with Filipowski more? Because Holmes has made that part of his game this yeah. year. And he's, there's a difference between making it part of your game and introducing it enough to where now it's a threat because we know Duran can play bully ball. He can put it on the ground and get somewhere in a hurry. My biggest thing with Holmes last year, they force fed the crap out of him, And this year he's been more versatile. It's, it's a yeah. little bit more all over. So I think that's a big step when it comes to development. Yeah. And I definitely like how he's, shown more versatility a little bit more versatility out of the role um last year it was just so post-up heavy it was insufferable and it was all stuff that's like all right you're putting up impressive numbers but none of this you're ever going to be asked to do at an nba level um while he's improved in that area i think filipowski's versatility out of the role uh his ability to pick and pop um, is probably on a similar level, but the passing out of the short roll, the ability to kind of catch, spin against a defender, finish through contact, um, I think is re- really special. Um, I think he's moving better on the perimeter defensively too. Um, the the big thing though is that Filipowski's physicality this year has just been overwhelming. Um, I have a lot of kind of concerns about how he scores efficiently at the next level, but this dude doesn't back down from anyone. He's constantly battling, drawing a ton of fouls, um, rebounding the crap out of the ball. I know all of Holmes's kind of rebounding and shot blocking numbers are just as good, if not better than Filipowski's, but the style in which they're getting him getting to those numbers. I think Filipowski's is oddly a little more translatable. Um, I still, I'm still not totally convinced with the shot because it looks good. It's looked good for two years. It just doesn't go in as much as it feels like it should. He looks like he should be, you know, almost a 40% three point shooter. He's down around, I think 35%, which is fine in the grand scheme of things. Cause he's probably not taking more than two a game. Um, but I, I think his, the 
how much better his footwork and kind of lateral agility has looked this year compared to last year combined with that physicality is kind of the big differentiator between him and Holmes right now for me. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you with a shot. Filipowski has been one of those names that last year I was struggling to buy in on him as a potential late lottery top 20 guy just because I was like, hey, this is an idea that the shot should be coming around, but it hasn't. Yeah. So I was very pumped when he announced like, hey, I'm going to go back for another year. I was like, great. This is a fantastic surprise. I love to see this because you can build off of that freshman year in a big way. And um, I think one of them, I wrote about this in my piece that went up today at No Ceilings. I wrote about Phil Palski and I said one of the biggest developments with him happened before he even played this year. He got off season hip surgery. He talked about like it's been something that's bothering him since high school. And right away he's like oh i could tell huge difference he's yeah. like this has been bugging me driving me crazy i played through it he had a good year besides playing through it and um you can see it on tape he's more fluid he looks like he's got a little bit more pop in his step but the outside shots turning the right direction um don't have updated numbers but when i wrote about it it was 28 percent from three last year this year he's around 35 percent, which metcalf was hinting at it's a big jump in the right direction we've said since the beginning if he could be a pick and pop asset and be hovering that high 30%. It's a huge, huge development. Um, I like when he battles, he's tough in the boards. He's not going to be afraid of the moment. So I like Filipowski a lot. Um, Holmes, I'm just one of those guys. I feel like he just keeps producing and you just have to keep convincing yourself like, okay, is this fool's gold and a great situation for him this year? Or is this something legit? But like at the end of the first round, we get to, we're talking potential fits. Like, Phoenix could make a lot of sense if they love them. Yeah. Milwaukee, Denver, teams like that, maybe, maybe Wizards with that second pick. Maybe we were talking last episode about them getting a potential big like Oso, but maybe Deron Holmes could be in that mix. I don't know. Would you hate Holmes in Boston? No, I would love I would love that because I think he impacts that's where this rain, this draft is going to be really fun for bigs because teams like that are going to be like, what if we had Deron Holmes off the bench? You know, what if we bring him along and make it simple for him? Um, that's why I like those guys where it's like, oh, so Deron Holmes, Bona, even like I think teams are going to buy into like, this could be a very fun piece in our rotation if we have a specific need for what they do at a high level. So I would love Holmes there. Um, maybe Philly. Maybe he can make sense there. You never know. A lot of similarities with him and Embiid. Everyone calm down with that <laughs> statement. I'm just saying a lot of similarities with the kind of how they play. So if you get Embiid out of the game, maybe Holmes replaces him. Yeah, and I, I think one of those questions in that kind of string was, could either of these guys play at the four? Um, I don't think Holmes can. Uh, I, th- I think no. he's. I think he's too slow laterally to defend out there. Uh, in space, at least consistently, you know, occasional pick and roll switches. He can hold his own for limited amounts of time. Uh, but I think Filipowski can not full time, obviously. But, you know, when we talk about fits, the idea of him and Chet playing together, I think makes a lot of sense. I think they could do that. I think he could play in Orlando, um, whether as the four or the five. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure that I love the idea of Filipowski as a full time four. But split minutes between there and the five, um, I, I think that is really, really feasible for him. I think a little less so for Holmes. Yeah, gotcha. 
Um, I'm going to go to the comments for a couple here Ooh, real quick. Good. Thanks for everyone Thanks, throwing Greg. some questions in the comments. Um, from Cosmo, does this draft remind you of the 2020 draft at all, uh, where most of the top guys coming in aren't putting up great numbers, uh, but end up being better as pros, i.e. Buzelis, Holland, Sar. I'm looking at the 20 draft right now. That That's... Ant and Ant, Wiseman, Lamelo, Patrick Williams, Okoro, Okongu. So my my pushback Hayes, on that, out. my pushback on that was that kind of coming into the year, Anthony Edwards was like a solidified number one, um, who a lot of people had, you know, or saw some superstar upside in. Lamelo had you know baseline of being one of the best playmakers in the league at a minimum uh, at six, seven or however big he is. So I think those guys kind of had pretty solidified standing amongst scouts and the league and media people with surefire elite skills, basically from day one. Um, This class I think has lacked a lot of that. I think there've been a lot more questions around the top guys. Um, I think there've been, a lot more uncertainty and movement among the top guys. So I, I, I get where the thought process is there, but I, I think those, um, a couple of those guys at the very top of the 2020 draft, um, at, at least at the start of the year, kind of solidified themselves and hung on to that all year, even though there were, you know, the, the, the various questions and whatnot throughout. Yeah. I think 2020 was challenging because I mean, I had Ann at one, I thought when the Timberwolves got the number one pick, it, it should have been Ant. Um, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I think there was a debate at least there where it was Ant or LaMelo. A lot of people thought like Minnesota should go in that direction. So there was certainty with that. I think whoever gets the first pick this year, we're still going to be like, there's three guys they could go with, you know, or there's four guys you could go with. And, you know, you look at that class, Tyrese Halliburton goes 12th, which I still, every time I look at it, can't wrap my head around Devin Vassell, but, Recently, this class, all or if you look at the 21 or 20 class, it got a little stronger because Neesmith Smith has kind of rebirthed himself in Indiana. He's turned into a heck of a piece. Devin Vassell, obviously great. Denny Avdia's latest showing, fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'm, I mean, and Maxi looks like a steal still, but so I, I, there's a lot of questions, but I think with this class, we're still going to have the same hesitations even more than that year. Yeah. Um, because I know Wiseman was a bit of a wild card but this year now that we have like five wild cards right off the bat so um all right i'm gonna get a fun question to balance it out and then our boy nathaniel has a deep thinker <laughs> oh boy um metcalf will like this one from michael stamps i have jacoby walters number one player on my mm-hmm. board do i not know what i'm talking about or is there some merit behind it i love questions like that because <laughs> i get it this is the year where like it, we haven't had a ch- chance to talk about Jacoby, so we should do it right now, obviously. Shout out, Michael. Where are we at, Mr. Metcalf? Uh, the vibes aren't great right they're, now. They're not great. Um, I'm going to pull up his recents. So I'm, I'm just kind of looking at Bartorvik right now. Um, the assist rate is up to almost 10, which is fantastic. Uh, the three-point percentage is down to 32.9, which is less fantastic. Uh, on 11 and a half attempts per game. I'm still holding firm belief um, in him. He is not my number one guy anymore. He was for a lot of the year Uh, coming into the year. He was, I have him down to six. If you're just 
I, I think this is really the draft though, where if you're like, you know what, this is my guy. I am all in. I, I love what I see. I see the potential. I see the vision of what he could be. I think this is a draft to really just kind of hold firm on that. I think Jacoby's been put in a lot of really tough positions on that Baylor team where the spacing isn't great um, or consistent on that team. And he gets a ton of grenades thrown at him where they're like, all right, well, four seconds left. Here you go. Uh, Not great. The kind of space creation, the on-ball creation has been inconsistent at best. Uh, the on-ball defense has been a struggle. So I still really like him. I would be more than happy to take a swing on him. I think his upside is really fascinating. I, I just can't get on board with the number one overall anymore. His first 24 games, he was averaging 14-4, 1-1 on 38-33-85. And I was curious because it's reminded me of a similar feeling I had last year of, I really like this guy, but the shooting splits aren't there. Am I overthinking the shooting splits? Ironically enough, it was a guy last year that played at Baylor yeah. and Keontae George. And I've looked at his first 24 games and it's 17, four and three on 39, 34, 80. What I'm getting at is obviously Keontae's versatility was much more popping and much more intriguing with the playmaking, but I'm at the, point now where if Jacoby wherever he gets drafted if he all of a sudden thrives as a rookie I'm gonna be like so now do at Baylor do we just not care about the shooting splits <laughs> like are, is Scott Drew just just ruining us I still I wrote about this in my piece I don't mean to keep bringing it up but I, t- I talked about every single prospect possible because I, I wanted to give a sales pitch for everyone to like help you get you know I did a roadmap I tried to get everyone to be like hey let me help you navigate away from the headaches and Jacoby I wrote the shooting splits are getting ugly, but this is the guy that gets to the pre-draft process. And we hear that rumor that he did the three-point exhibition where he shoots 85 out of 100 and just lights Which it I up. So. And I think that'll happen, and he starts heating up again. So I, situation is everything. We can't let one year tell the story. And I'm right there with Metcalf. I think it's easy to start moving him down a little bit. I have to, but I also think if this is the year, Go, go with your gut. If you've done the work, go with your guys. And I, I think Jacoby has the tools in which he could be something nasty at the next level. But I think it's just that pre-draft process is going to be interesting. He would be awesome if he just snaps out of it and has like a three-game stretch where he's God, just like so. nuclear and would be like, okay, here we go. But um, right now it's been it's been rough. I think he's shooting like 30-20 um, lately. So it's it's been really, really fun there. Um, okay, back to the deep stuff. Nathaniel Miller threw us two, and then he commented and said, probably a better one, so I'm going to go with a better <laughs> one. Who are the prospects, quote, the finishers, who would have benefited from playing with an elite college point guard, and who are the prospects you think may not be as good because they play oh, in boy. such a good context? Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a deep one. So uh, it finishers. Okay, so we'll, 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 so let, let's let's split that up. Into, no, let's split what, what was the first part? Who's Finishers, played with? Who's played with, played with an elite college point guard? Whose stock has been elevated because their because of their point guard play? Rocks. Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Um, Sorry, folks. Hold yeah, for I'm, a second. I'm not going to say Filipowski, although I do like their guards. I think Filipowski just does some stuff. 
Yeah. I I would say Jared McCain has almost been hurt by Duke's point guard play because he's been put into entirely an off-ball role while... Are we saying this is just his finishers as his big men? No, I I, I think like like rim runners, spot up shooters, guys who can't create their own shot but get set up um, as a play finisher. Uh, Because it's funny when you look at all the bigs, I'm like, I don't think anyone has a standout point guard right now. No, I also playing with Kolek, but but they're just good. Yeah, Klingon. Yeah, but I I think he's, I think he'd be doing that with anyone. Yeah, um, and they too. have so many different ball handlers and creators and whatnot on that team. Anyways, it's a deep question. It's a um, good one. Caravan? Furphy? Mm. No, no. Furphy knows his role. Furphy also put puts himself open. You know what I'm trying to say with Furphy? I'm not yeah. trying to get. No, he finds those open pockets. And I think he creates outlets for the ball handler other rather than the other way around. Oh boy, this is I'm 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 struggling with Caravan could be um, a good one. It's like I, I think he's a good off ball mover and stuff, but the self creation isn't really there for him. Um I think Antonio Reeves could be in that conversation with his ability to kind of play off of Reed and Rob and DJ and all those guys. Um Gregory Castillo with a good little suggestion in the comments. Cody with KJ Simpson. See, the problem is that Cody also does some stuff on his own. Right. KJ's just been sensational. So if we're putting that in the conversation, then is is it Tristan De Silva? But I also just think that no, those I, guys are I just cooking. Makes, I think I think De Silva's in the elevator of everyone around him. Um I know the point guard play with the Ignite isn't great, but could Tyler Smith be in this conversation? And I don't want to put that as a negative because I think Tyler Smith's really, really smart. But and I think he's playing the role that he should play in the play. NBA as just a lethal knockdown shooter. Um, yeah, because I... I'm clear where I'm like no, because they're just force feeding him, even when he's full. They're still putting a spoon in front of his mouth and being like, "What about Kwame Evans?" That one's probably there. It's yeah. kind of tough because, like, I know like, the main intrigue with him too is just the defense. Um, yeah. So anything he's kind of getting offensively is being kind of set up and manipulated by Shellstad. So it, it's tough. Let's do part two. Part two yeah, might be part easier. Two. Part two. Who are the prospects you think may not be as good because they play in such a good context? That one might be a little easier. I'm sorry, everyone's going to hate me. I would probably say where. I yeah i I don't get it with where at all. Um, I, I think coach Woodson is using him and maximizing every ounce of ability, uh, from where, and is constantly putting him in the perfect spot to succeed. I know that Indiana team hasn't been perfect this year, but I can't imagine where being used much more effectively than he has been. I, I think that's a really good shout. I, and I wrote positive stuff about where. And I said, I think he's going to get in an open gym and NBA executives are going to be in their feelings because seven foot two thirty with length and potential outside shot. He's going to look really good against the chair and workouts. 
not trying to be a buzzkill today, but I guess I'm going <laughs> to, I think Jalen Tyson could be one of those names of, is this Same. a guy that's just thriving because he has all the keys to the castle He's right now for a team that's upperclassmen less- on a bad team with no restrictions. Yeah. I think that makes um, sense. Um, Zach Eady. Everyone knows how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> the whole town knows Frank. Yeah, oh, I, I, I mean, just had another one. I, I, I don't necessarily agree with this, but I think the the argument could be made for Furphy as well. Could be made for Furphy. A lot of guys you can make this argument for. Um, I don't agree. Someone could say connect. You, I don't think just, so because I, 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 I think that well. Depends I don't agree. It against, I don't I agree. Guess. Neither do I. But if and the argument for that would be Tennessee's offense is just that's not what they do. They're a defensive team. Um, and he's kind of the only consistent self-creator on that team. So he's allowed to do basically whatever he wants on that end, uh, which leads to some of the numbers that he's been posting. Uh, the counter to that is Rick Barnes isn't notorious for giving long leashes. Um, so he's more than earned that and kind of created that role for himself. Um, all right, well, I'm going to move on to yeah, another question. I feel like we might be thinking about that one for like an hour. <laughs> um, Mavs draft, shout out Rich, good friend. Um, he said thoughts and rankings on Anton Watson of Gonzaga. Pretty much a little bit of a super sleeper here that I think some people like. So Watson this year averaging 14.9.7.5 rebounds, 2.7 assists. 1.7 steals, shooting splits of 61, 45, 65. The 45 is on one and a half attempts per game. Watson's an intriguing one. I saw him in person when I went to go scout Chet. And I was like, this kid could just be a fun one down the road after a couple of years of just grooming. And he's like 6'8", but jumps out of the gym physical he also seems like a guy that maybe teams try to steal him at the end of the second because they don't want him to be an undrafted guy or he goes to the g league and teams quickly realize like hey this guy could be something um what are your thoughts any any general thoughts i i just don't know what he is at the next level um because he's listed 6'8". I don't think he can play on the perimeter. I know he's shooting almost 45% from three, but it's on 38 attempts on the season. So the the smallest of sample sizes possible. Um, All of his numbers are incredibly impressive this year, but he's also a lot older. He's always played with really good physicality. Um, I think some of the passing flashes that he's shown has been really impressive. The rebounding, the interior finishing, all that stuff has been really good. He's been really efficient. I just don't know how a six eight center really translates to the league. And just historically, this has been one of my biggest blind spots has been these kind of undersized centers. Um, I, I just really struggle to buy in on them. I, I don't, I, I think his defensive numbers are a little inflated. So I, I, I think he could just be one of these, really good college players. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, I I'm really skeptical on how his game translates to the next level, despite the numbers and the efficiency and effectiveness that he's been posting um, pretty much all season. 
Okay, I'm moving on to another one. Um, our good friend Daniel Mortensen. Favorite fits for Dalton Connect, Johnny Furphy, and Kevin McCuller. No oh boy. Always fun when we got to pull up the tankathon. Yeah, that's exactly that's neat. That's neat. So, are we talking about like reasonable draft range or just? Well, you did. You projected Furphy at five to Detroit. So, I guess I don't know what your reasonable draft range is. For well, I, I, I've, I've been told Furphy's going he, that it would be surprising if he fell out of the lottery. So, uh, yeah, we've heard that a lot. So, and I've seen a lot of uh, mainstream it, boards. Is, is Furphy not fun on the Pistons? He's fun on every team. He's Johnny exactly. Furphy. Johnny F. and Furphy. <laughs> Favorite fits. Okay, so should we say like starting at ten or later? Yes, for these guys. Okay, because I also get to ten and convince myself he'd be a lot of fun in OKC. He would be a lot of fun. A in lot OKC. of fun there. <laughs> um, I, the, I I really think that Furphy's pretty independent of fit to some extent. Where, um, I, I mean, I'm looking at every. I, team I love him like in Orlando. I'd love him in Orlando too. New okay, York, well, it's just Philly. yeah. I, mean, I like yeah. him everywhere. What about Dalton Connect? I think that one's a little trickier. See, I could buy him at OKC just because he gives them what they need, but I also could see them moving into different directions. Portland, Chicago. Uh, again, I think Orlando makes sense. Orlando again is going to make a lot of sense. Another kind of wing creator shooter. He probably makes um, a lot rebounder. of sense in Miami and would be a disaster with him and Hame because they could just play the no one believed in us card. Yeah, that would that. also be a disaster with him. And oh, Hero. of course it would, but they'll figure <laughs> it out. Heat culture. Toronto, if they double down on getting shooters, maybe. I don't think Dalton's New York. Eh. I, I don't like Atlanta. Feels like he would just kind of get lost in the mix of stuff there um, with Griffin and bogey and buffkin and it just feels like too much of the same thing um chicago maybe at 12 maybe if he fell to phoenix it's probably a heck of an addition or if they try to trade up to go get him who was he and then the other one was mcculler yeah mcculler is i just wherever um whoever believes in him i believe he's gonna fix. i like atlanta I just, Atlanta makes some Philly. sense. I know Simon, shout out Simon's probably going to hate another guard, but I think McCuller just plays too many positions that it's not just like, oh, you're drafting a guard. I think you're drafting a wing that could either bring the ball up, play off the ball, or switch to guard. You know, he could play down to, to guard, or I guess could play up, whatever. But I, I'm saying he's going to defend multiple positions at a high level. You're going to want him in on the court at the end of games. New York would be a dream for McCuller. I think Miami. Yeah, I, I feel like Miami's the the e, the easier, obvious one. I, I really, for me, it's anywhere that's not desperate for on ball creation. Yeah, um, anywhere that just kind of needs someone to fill in the gaps. Could use a corner shooter. I know his percentages have fallen off, but as just the the shot attempts that he's been taking, I think are just not what he's going to be asked to do at the next level, um, but someone who can attack closeouts, move the ball, play exceptional team defense. So Philly, New York, Phoenix, Miami. I think those all make sense. Uh, Jasper, he's got a couple good ones. 
One is Jamal Shedd or Mark Sears, just a real deep oh, hitter. Boy. I would say Mark Sears for me. I think same. But I do like Shed. I think those are, I'm going to actually, my part two of my piece, I'm going to be talking about both of those guys because I think those are some serious potential two-way guys to keep an eye on that could make some noise. What Sears is doing this year is it just... unreal. Whew. Yeah. I think I would lean the same. Um, um, and, and then his second part, how many freshmen will be drafted, which is going to drive Metcalf crazy because he's going to have to go count. So if we're, to, we're, if we're excluding we're just looking guys at that are like 2005 borns because technically they would be because technically 2005 born, you know, Ron Holland would be a freshman. Bezelis, you know, 2004 born would be a freshman. I'm just doing college. I think in my top 60 right now, I have 15 freshmen, but there's some that are outside that, that I could see get drafted instead. So I have like nine, nine or 10 in my first round right now. Um, Oh, that's an even better way to do it. How many do I have? Because I, I, I don't think freshmen should. I think they, if they're go, getting a second round grade, I think they should go back. Um, I just don't think it makes sense to I've got, try. And I've got ten in my top non guaranteed money. I've got ten in my top thirty. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, um, and the the fringe one there for me is Kwame Evans. Um, it feels like he has, you know, he he's a twenty for me, but seems like they're he's kind of getting mixed reviews so it'll be really interesting to see how he closes out the season and kind of tests and see what he feels is best but I, he would probably be the fringe one for me because i they, the other names are cody would shock me if he doesn't declare castle uh furphy jacoby uh reed again maybe he returns if that nil money is just absurd and uh he's you know getting maybe closer to a 20 you know, picking the twenties and ten. I, I don't no think he way. should either. I don't think he should either. I, but you never know. The uh, problem is, is a lot of these guys have to look themselves in the mirror and say, "Do I want to return it to a or much do I want to take off class?" It is, I've already started to put my twenty-five board together, and I'm not kidding. I was like forty names in, and I was like, "Ooh, this is fun!" Like yeah. I was just like, "Goodness!" So, like, if you're returning, you have to be very convinced you can make some noise and which next year everyone's going to hype that class up even more because, you know, we're talking about going to this year's Nike hoop summit and the four of us are already <laughs> giddy with like the rosters compared. So imagine NBA teams, once they start to see those guys come in, they're going to be, Oh gosh. So it's going to get weird with guys like George from Miami. There's going to be a lot of surprise like, Whoa, they're staying in, which we have to, I, really I, 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 I interested think, about. I think Kaishan's going to be a first rounder. I think Kaishan is too, but I'm saying like Justin Edwards. So I'm he, in my top sixty right now. I know everyone's like, "What?" He's in. He's no. in my should return bucket. Um, but he could be a guy that's like, "I'm going," but he shouldn't. He should keep waiting. <sighs> KJ Lewis, Arizona. Could be he's in my should return. Be, should return, but it could be um Murray Boyles, South Carolina buzzing lately. Yeah, I I I'm just guys him. like that. They're that like all of a sudden 
the deadline this year for declaring or not is going to be the most fun I've ever had it's because I'm just going to be like, whoo, here we go. So it, I think that's a heavy so question. Right, and like, yeah, and e- even a guy like Caleb Foster, who I don't think should declare, I think he should return. It's a good one. But he's been pretty good. He's Some of the stuff he's been showing this last month has been really encouraging. So that's why I could it's, see Kwame going. Right. But also, you never and know. I, I think he should for what it's worth. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm going through some fun question. Here we go. Trevor, having some real fun with us. If the Celtics and Timberwolves faced off in the finals this year, would you and Metcalf survive a seven-game series, or would it just be no pods for a month? No, I, we, we wouldn't have to worry about it going to seven because Wolves and four. Um, <laughs> so here's my thing with the Celtics. I'm very relaxed and calm about the NBA regular season until second half. Like I'm ready to roll now. Now I'm, I'm, I'm shifting into fan mode, hardcore when it gets to the playoffs. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone because I'm just <laughs> like, I, it's, you know, now it's game time. Let's go. Let's go to war. If me and Metcalf had to face in the finals, I, I don't know if I could do a pod because he'd make comments about, you know, I, I don't know if I could do it. I, I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty good about walking the line of, uh, how much to to poke the bear um i feel I, like, I, I would get yeah. one one good one in and uh then they would be a little more subtle after that <laughs> the problem is like i would want to be like oh like someone would be like you guys should do a playback of you guys watching the game and i'd be like hell no i don't want nope. like i don't want to watch games with anyone mm-hmm. i'm not one of those like hey let's have a watch party no everyone leave me alone yeah, especially Anything, if it's my, throw me like, in a hotel room by myself especially if it's my team and like the lions were a half away from being in the Super Bowl, I would have been watching that alone in my basement because um, I would have been a mess. It just football it, it wise, I would, if the Vikings were in the work. Super Bowl, I'd be like, I, I'm renting a hotel room. I'll see you tomorrow. Like, I don't want to because I, I don't. I'm not one of those like I scream at the TV, but like I just don't. I don't want to interact with anyone. Yeah, like because the, you always get the friend that doesn't know what's going on, and then just they're asking questions, and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, can I focus on why? Jalen Brown can't dribble the ball with his left hand right now. I don't need to ask. Like, okay, so yeah, it, it, yeah, uh, and like, like Michigan in the national championship. You think you think I had people over for that? No, barely let my wife in the room. I <laughs> mainly because she was horrified of my watching habits. But um, no, I yeah, I it it, w- it wouldn't be good. Um, let's finish up with a couple more, uh, but let's take a quick ad break. Okay, Rucker, uh, let's kind of wrap this up. How many more we got left? Getting through most of them. We've got some overlap. Um, trying to get some some other good ones. Coleman Hawkins question. I don't really know if I want to go down that road. Pass. We'll pass. Sorry. Not, not a fan. Unless we answered your other one. Yeah, he's not on my board. Um How about uh, Jasper again? Where do you rank Burks and Thierro among all the Kentucky prospects? Thierro's tough for me because I like him a lot. He's not on my board. He was on my board for most of this process. He's not on my top 60 right now. I could still see some teams being intrigued. I feel like that's another guy that would be really smart for another year. <sighs> I, I I think he's kind of like a fun two-way flyer type guy um 
like a Jay Sean Tate esque player. I'm not probably spending draft capital on that guy though. Unfortunately, wouldn't be shocked not, if he got drafted. Would not be shocked if he he should go test the waters. He should get feedback, and then if he kicks ass at the combine, stay in. And if he doesn't, he should go back for another year. Yeah, try to become a consistent three point shooter. Am I wrong anywhere there? No. Okay. Um, Simon asked why the Hawks hate him. I don't know where to go with that. That that, that feels like a personal. I feel issue. fine. I feel fine. Simon's gonna have a big off season. I'm I'm feeling good for the Hawks. Every oh. fan base that's struggling good right now you. in their feelings, I want to adopt them. I want to bring them in. Wizards fans adopted me. I, I love you guys already. I'm ready for that. Uh, Hawks are next on my watch list. I want to help the Hawks turn it around. So. Um, Simon, stay, stay positive. That's all the questions, really. All right, um, uh, last one from Cosmo in the chat. Oh, uh, yeah, where, where are you at with guys like Bob Carrington and Baba Miller? Um, I've taken Bob out of my top 60, unfortunately. I think he needs to return. The shots just completely disappeared. Um, I've moved Bob down a bit. He's trending south. I want to keep him in. He'll have him in that. 40-ish range, but I'm also getting to the point with guys like that where I'm like, why aren't you going back? Why why would you declare? I want to buy in on him. And he's the he's becoming one of the ultimate wild cards of this year's draft. Cause if he if he just shocks us and is like, I I, I want to go pro, where do we put him? Like, what where's the number? Because when he's he does some stuff on the court that I'm like, man. Like, like the, a, the passing has been fantastic all year. The passing, the size, how young he is. Um, he can put it on the ground, hit you with a counter, and then he has that little step back, like mid-range off yeah. one foot, which I love. Like it's it's a clear, like that's his go-to move. That feels good. And then I'm, I'm always trying to buy in. And the frustrating thing is like, I always get, you know, game start i'm always box score watching because i'm either doing the stats for no ceilings i'm like okay who do i got to keep an eye on for having a good you know box score for social or who am i going to watch tomorrow yeah and bub will have like a start where he's just like three for five and i'm like ooh, here we go and then i look up later and he's oh five for 15 what yeah like so it's just one of those things where i think the flashes are legit the upside's legit he'd be a problem with another off with an off season of just being like, I'm going to war. That's what I think too. For next year. I think he'd be a problem, but guys like this all of a sudden get enticed of like, Ooh, maybe my NBA teams might be like, Hey, we like him a lot as a pre-draft guy. And then they try to get him to stay in and someone wants to draft him at, we get the promise season. And then all of a sudden it passes up and he's a wild card. He's becoming an absolute, wild card so um i'd love for him to go back for another year because i really do think there's something there but this is going to be a wild year there's going to be curveballs like that everyone's already expecting Bronny to declare despite just no yeah um all right but we'll see go ahead promise last one from the chat then we'll move on to stock game uh Old buddy, Nathan Grubel. Uh, what are the positions, archetypes of players you're noticing trending out of the NBA that may be affecting your evaluations negatively on certain prospects? We miss you too, Nathan. Hope all is well. Metcalf hit, hit me with that start. Um, I was too happy to see Nathan's name show up, so I got to process the question. 
I, I, I think the, the kind of specialists are really disappearing quickly. Um, like when I say specialists, I mean, the, the first one that comes to mind is like just the off ball shooter. Um, if you can't put it on the floor and do something with it, if you can't make the extra pass, if you can't defend at some level, um, if there isn't a real versatility to your game as a guard or a wing, it's really tough to get minutes. Um, I think those types of guys are really kind of falling away and it's all about size and versatility. Uh, everyone on the court needs to be able to dribble, pass and shoot now. And the, if you can't do one or two of those things, the other one better be at a fucking elite level. Otherwise you're not getting minutes, um, let alone a guaranteed contract. So I think those, and then obviously the small point guards, um, it's tough because this class is full of uh, small point guards, but that has kind of made me a little cooler on guys like Reed and Rob and McCain um, and Jackson Shellstad. I love how they play. They're intoxicating with how good they are, but I just get hesitant on how much an NBA team is going to buy into it and how much they can get exploited um, at the next level. Yeah, I think this is a fantastic actual question from Nathan, a.k.a. Draft Deeper. We miss you. Um, because I think this year is going to test a lot of these theories more than ever. I, I'm right there with Metcalf. I think the shoot-first guys are becoming extinct because you need to offer something else. You can't just be Max Struess. You know, that's, I think that's where we get to a problem with Caravan, which is why we want to buy in more on Caravan. But I think right now we're like, well, it's a lethal shooter, but what else can Caravan give us on the court? And I'm not trying to do that in any bad way because I think he's a smart player that is gritty and has a lot of tools. You know, it, it's tough because I, in a way, I think we're getting away from the, athletic big that just has rim protection but then missy does it at such an intriguing level that i think teams are like well we'll find a spot for that because now as you're a big man you need to have something else that you can bring to the table if you're going to hang your hat on like well i'm a really good defender like, okay well what else because you got to bring something else oh so good defender good playmaker pj hall filipowski force floor spacers like there's guys like that um I'm rooting for this class because I think it could bring back the small point guard, small floor general guys. It could, it needs to have like three of them click. It needs <laughs> to have like Tyler Kolick and McCain and guys like that really click. But um, the one thing I would say, I, I think we're getting a little far from, and this might be a hot take. I think we're getting away from the projects. I think we're getting away from the teams wanting to draft the just super swing upside guys early. Saloon is a name that I'm thinking of right there. I think teams are going to previous years. They might've taken him top 10 because they might've been like, Hey, six, nine crazy young freakish tools. The shots coming around. We'll work with the feel. It'll develop. It'll come with time. I think now teams are like, eh, I don't know if I want to take that seventh. I, I'm, I might be full more comfortable taking that 15th or 16th with another first round pick. So I think just the super projects. I think teams are getting a little further away and being like, what can someone bring to the table? We want that. You got to think all these teams picking early. They're tired of picking early. Front offices are up for contract extensions. You, you want to get staying alive. You want to help. So um, I think maybe that, you know, just the yeah. 
trying to draft the project with crazy upside early and being like, maybe we could find gold. I think you're, you're seeing this year, other guys are going to be in higher demand. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay, uh, well, we went way longer on that than I thought yeah, we were going hard. to, uh, but that was fun. Let's take our last ad break, and then we'll jump into the stock game. Okay, Rooker, uh, let's let's get going with this. Um, stock game, here we go. I got the sheet up on the board for everyone to see. There's been a heck of a lot of movement. Uh, highly recommend going and checking out Corey's uh, latest kind of community-wide consensus rankings over at NoSealingsNBA.com. A lot of really fascinating movement, and I think there were like four or five different guys who had the number one ranking across the six or seven sites that Corey uses. So really interesting to kind of compare and contrast all those guys. Um, sheets up on the board. Do you have something a move that you would like to make right away, or you thinking where you at? Yeah, I do. Um, because I had what three hundred and sixty-two dollars left. Correct. Everyone's gonna love what I'm about to do. Um, I'm gonna take. We're gonna be quick with these because I've already prepped all of my moves. I just have to find his price. I'm gonna take um. 100 shares of johnny furphy you son of a bitch i'm ready to roll baby i'm i'm gonna make up some ground because i saw that that margin's getting a little smaller so tyler rucker is making a little bit of a comeback here folks see i i knew i shouldn't have been a gentleman and let you go first yeah i was like i'm gonna jump all this is why i kept money last time folks this is art of war status so yep furphy okay well you're a prick um (laughs) Great. Okay. Well, there goes. There goes my my sweet prince. You. Um. All right. I need to. I'm gonna sell off some Reed Shepherd stock. Um. How much higher than this do you think he could really get? Consensus ranking of eight point eight. I don't think much. Neither do I. It's unfortunate because I looked at a couple of those guys up there and I was like, eh, how much higher could they get? Is it worth the buy? And I don't really know if much. I think the one name that you have that I think could start to climb a little bit is maybe Castle. But I also think some people are just not going to be. I, I, th- I think Risa Shea could even climb a little more too. Um, I'm going to hold on to Risa Shea. I'm going to sell 150 shares. I'm going to cash out on Reed Shepard. For casual total, uh, so on those final 150 shares, um, I'm earning a profit of $1,500 because I caught bought him when he was at a penny stock for just a dollar. So Reed Shepard liquidating my my shares of him. Um, all right, what do you want to do? Um, I've already got so I have 100 bucks left basically. You have 160. 160. I'm going to go 50 shares of Kaishan George. God. Yep. Yep. Goddamn weasel. Let's go to war. I can't wait for your Celtics to get swept in the playoffs. Oh, man. (sighs) If you guys don't want to talk to me for like five months, then. 
Well, keep this up. Now I'm running out of money, so I gotta I gotta find some money to sell. Okay. Um, all right, Risa I'm gonna hold Castle. I'm gonna hold. Um, even though I'm losing, I'm losing money on him, but I think this is the low point for him. He's looked so good recently. I think Jacoby. Oh boy. I got a lot of money. I need to buy someone because you are being a weasel. Um, let's see. I'm, all right, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. Almost show my hand. I hate this. Um, you know what? I'm actually going to buy a few more shares of Castle. Um, let's see. What is he currently at? He is currently at an average ranking of 10.3 for 9.71 a share. If we do 50, yeah, I'm going to do another 50 shares of Castle. Okay. What are you thinking? I'm going to keep this really easy for you, or I hope this is easy for you. Caravan, Diero, Carrington, Topich. Oh, one move at a time, big guy. No, I'm, I'm just, okay, well then, one all right, fine. Move. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to sell all of my stock in Dalton Connect. Oh, okay. Because he's at 16.5 right now. I don't think the jump's going to be that much. And I like that profit right there. Alrighty. Nice little $400 profit. Gets you back up to a little over 650 total. Don't okay. Connect, then fully liquidated. You're um, up. I am. Where are we going? Where are we going? Um. <laughs> Where is I'm gonna go to Ron Holmes. Oh, that's a good one. Um, let's see what 50 shares gets me. He is currently at an average ranking of 45.5 for a price of 220 per share. Um, let's drag these formulas down. It's unreal how much of a wizard you are with this stuff. Um, okay, hundred ten dollars. You know what? Let's go up to 80 shares. Okay, for 176. Why not? You know, why not? No, that. Okay. Where are you? Where are you? I'm going to sell my five shares of Nikola Topic. Give me that uh, $91. <laughs> I just don't, I think he's reached his max. I'm not going to double down to try to get it going a little bit. I think that's, that's fine. There you go. Um, okay. Just collect. Um, I'm going to... Let's see. I'm going to cash out on Jackson Robinson. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, um, I hear you. To the smallest of profits. Big old $1.68 of profit there. All right, where are you at? Um, how much do I have? I've got, what, seventy seven ninety three. Uh, yes. I'm going to buy 100 shares of Jalen Tyson okay. at 210 a share. Mm-hmm. 
Look at Big Z getting up to 48. I know. That is something. Um, okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Gosh, I wanted to jump all over the Jared McCain stuff, but he's at a price that I'm like, yeah, that's kind I, of I almost, right I almost there. did that too. I was like, how much more is he really going to jump? I think he could, but I'm not super confident in it. Um, Alex Tui, I'm selling off. I still like him long term, yeah, but me too. He is just he does not have a whole lot of fans. So just get my money back on that. I've got five eighty three and I'm gonna go I'm gonna buy another hundred shares of Johnny Furphy. <laughs> you prick. <laughs> <laughs> You don't even like him that much. I do like him. No, yeah, as you say about a guy in your twenties. It's fine. Cosmo Everything's... with a good quote. Rucker put on his finance. No, no. bro, hat. I'm get going that, to get war. That off. Get that. Get that off. The money. What happens? It's amazing what happens when I prepare. Um, I need to stop sending you this ahead of time. Um, make you do your own homework. Okay, I'm selling off Brownie. Because I, I just can't wait to find out that he declares, and I'm going to be like, he's, "What are we doing?" He's he's gonna, but oh, not 700. Um, it's just USC, very bad. I think Collier's looked better lately, though. I will say that. Um, he has, he has. Uh, am I up? Yeah. Yep. I'm going to sell Ryan Dunn completely. Liquid 8. Love him. Just give me that money. He's at 22. I could see him going a little bit back up, and but I don't think... I don't really think he is also. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, all right, so I did buy more castle... Amazing. Uh, Everyone's just staying positive with Almanza. I, yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, okay, I'm going to. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go Tristan da Silva. Let's see yeah. what's he at. Uh, He's at 34, so 292. There he is. Ah, uh, 50. Yeah, let's go 50. Why not? Okay. Anyone for you? Uh, I'm going to sell I'm going to go sell all of my Carrington for a nice profit of $13. Give me a happy meal. Uh what price is he at on here? Uh, uh 239. He's 39. That yeah, that's good time to sell. Yeah. Um okay. You know what? I'm I'm gonna go Tyler Kolek. I'm gonna buy more of him. Eighteen uh, assists uh, last night, huh? <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! It's also a tweet. Like, Excuse me. <laughs> Kiss your mother with that mouth. Eighteen assists. 
Okay. Um, a lot of people were angry when we had him on a mock draft going to the first round. Yeah, like, well, he's kind of good at basketball. Everyone's buying into that now. Any other moves you want to make? Love the haters. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You sold all of Ryan Dunn, right? Yeah, and I'm gonna sell all of my uh, Missy stock. Oh yeah, there's a shocker for some people. Oh. He's had he's at seventeen point three. I'm like, eh, what? He can maybe get up to fifteen ish, but um, that's a good profit for me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and run. Okay. Um, um and then when you're after you go, I'm gonna start throwing some more money at some people on my board already. Okay, I'm gonna go Tyler Smith. Um, I don't oh. think it's unreasonable that he gets into the top ten. I don't either. Um, Buzz is heating up. Forty? No, I have money. Stop being a coward, Tyler. Spend your money. Uh, I'm gonna go eighty shares of Tyler Smith. Where are you going? Okay, so I previously had fifty shares of Devin Carter at a dollar. Correct. I'm gonna buy another. Give me another. Where is he again? Give me another hundred at two seventy eight. Um, two seventy eight. Alrighty. I feel like people are gonna keep pumping that one with some gasoline to get him up into the twenties. Yeah, he's PJ Hall at forty. Just what are, what are we doing? Um, I'm gonna go a couple. Um, there's a name on here that I want to throw money at, but I'm terrified that I'm just going to be burning money. I think you should go with your heart. I think you should do what you feel is right. Um, okay, by that I mean burn money because it could swing this whole entire. It could make me the victor. <laughs> oh, really? Of uh, my district. <laughs> May the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> um, good film. Good film. I'm going to go Neek Clifford. Please help, help if I spell that right. Um, Wait for everyone to get in on that. Not on the board. All right. Where are you going? I'm going to go uh, 100 shares of... I'm going to say his name wrong. I'm sorry, guys. Ulrich, mm. the true wild card of this entire class. What is are it you, Ulrich? I, 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 I need to watch him. And I need to watch I, way more. Yeah. But I just know the buzz I've heard and all that is, is he's rumored to be going to be playing at Nike Hoop Summit. All that is, is he goes and That's kicks hot. ass there and then says... Two words, I'm in, and then woof, that's gonna just skyrocket this class. So if he goes and looks great and gets good feedback, I don't understand why he wouldn't just be like, I'm I'm ready to roll, let's go. Cause someone draft him early. But um I'm getting dangerous there. I'm just saying screw it. And if he you know, that could skyrocket. So um I kinda... hate proje- a lot of those guys. Everyone comments to us and sends us, "Why not him? Why isn't he in the latest mock?" And it's, we hate doing that. We hate being those guys of being like, "Well, let's just we don't know, so let's throw him in there." Yeah. But as we get more intel, as we get more buzz, as we get, we'll pivot. That's always what we do. Um, agreed. 
kind of along those same lines of taking a big old flyer. Um, I'm going to go Malik Lewis. Yeah, that's um, again, haven't watched enough. I know he has a lot of fans, so for a dollar, I'll double check my spelling on that later. But I think that's right uh, for the G League Capitans. Um, all right. Anyone else? Yeah, I'm going to go 100 shares of Colin Murray. Oh, Who else? Oh, that was a good one. I came to work today. That was a really good one. That was really, really. And then um, I'll save for next time because this has been a lengthy episode. I I was going to sell a bunch more, but I'll just save it. It's all good. Um, We we can rattle off sales here. Yeah, we'll wrap. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Antonio Reeves. You can't stop fighting that. You've lost, you've lost that love and feeling, except he found it with Antonio. He's very. He good. got some. I forgot who wrote about. Someone said some stuff, and I was like, "That's a little bit of a loud endorsement, you know." So, yeah, I have him as a top forty guy. Um, no, you do. Okay. Anyone else for you? No, I'm you good. That's okay. great. It's fantastic. Um, Thanks for everyone joining with us. It then I'm gonna hop on Jared McCain real quick. Great. Day equals that. Is that too pricey? Mm. Nah, I got plenty of money left. Um, God, I appreciate Reed Shepard funding my whole portfolio. Yeah. It was very kind of him. Um, okay, cool. Stock game. That was fun. Fantastic. Um, no Ceilings Plus members. Make sure to get me your moves uh, in the next week or so. Um, Rucker, real quick. We oh, got yeah, we it. got one, we we got, got one more we thing. Got, we got rookie roulette. Don't leave us um, yet, folks. We got one more thing: rookie roulette, and then a special little addition. Metcalf's got a surprise right now, obviously. Yeah. So rookie roulette this week: Casein Wallace, uh, very fun player. He was tenth pick to the Thunder, tenth pick on our or tenth overall on our final board. Um, really, just kind of fascinating play finisher for the Thunder. V- incredibly low usage, but just being asked to do a whole bunch of dirty work. Um, I have an interview with Andrew Schlecht coming up in just a couple minutes here. Uh, which was very fun. Andrew's the best, provided a lot of insight into the Thunder's kind of thought process with uh, Case and how they're using him and, you know, how he how valuable he can be going forward. So make sure to hang out for that. But Rucker, um, I don't I, I wanted to make sure that you got get your kind of say and uh, how, how you've viewed Case and uh, so far this year um, compared to where you had him on your board and whatnot. Yeah, I love him. Um, as a prospect from Kentucky, I thought it was one of those guys that continued to do everything on the basketball court that I wanted to see. Um, when I was evaluating from him from high school days, I think, you know, popped at me right away with his defense, with his mentality, um, shifty plays at his own speed or speed makes people come down to his speed can navigate. And then, you know, as a high school prospect, I was like, what can the outside shot just come around? And then he shot the crap out of it at Kentucky. He had some rough stretches, but then all of a sudden would bounce back and just light the net on fire. And I was like, why why aren't we buying into him more often? Also, I love the mentality he's had since high school of like, you know, you have a two-on-one with Casey Wallace and it's just right up his wheelhouse. So I think that mentality, that confidence in the defense, his size, um, I think I had him 10th on my final big board for no ceilings. Um, I love, I've loved him as prospect. I thought it was a slam dunk when they took him. I was like, that's another 
great piece. That's the mentality shift that we talk about in previous episodes. Like teams need to take that next leap of shifting your mentality. And he's looked fantastic with OKC. Um, I know the numbers might not like overwhelm people. The advanced numbers role. are pretty impressive. Yeah, it, advanced numbers will get you in your feelings. But for folks that can't see that stuff, you, you might look and be like, well, it's limited minutes. He's he's earned a, a spot on a playoff team, potential title contender right now he has earned minutes and i think it's going to be one of those guys next year we're going to be like they got to keep casing on wallace on the court somehow so i've loved what i've seen um you know i was excited when you threw the hey andrew wants to come on i was like, great fantastic <laughs> i think we love andrew he's been a, a superstar on previous episodes um so yeah i think fans are in for a treat and um i've just loved what i've seen from Kaysen. Agreed. Um, we're we're going to kick it to my interview with Andrew real quick, but let's first, we, we got to figure out while I still have you who we got next week. So let's bring up the wheel. All right, here we go. It's, I feel like we're getting Gigi Jackson time sooner or later, and it's going to have to do some, some deep dive film. No way. No way. Alrighty, next I'm week. GG. Shout out to my Shrek fans. Wow. Um, okay. So, that'll be I fun. I swear we didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I just was like, this has got to be GG sooner or later or Metcalf's pulling my leg. Okay. So Great. that, that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be good. Um, I'll, like, I'll like to watch his film. We'll break down some clips. I'll get some clips ready for GG. Love it. Uh, so next week, GG Jackson, this is a great episode. Uh, go kick it to my interview with Andrew Schlecht here. Um, Stay tuned. Andrew rocks as always. Very excited to welcome this week's guest to talk about Case and Wallace, one of the kind of more intriguing rookies uh, this year. And one of our favorite uh, rookies from last season, uh, obviously rookie from Kentucky with the Oklahoma city thunder this year. Um, our guest this week is a recurring guest and the inspiration for this whole segment with their team of the week uh, segment over at the athletics NBA show and the slam and jam uh, episode. You know him also from the down to dunk podcast. He is Andrew Schlecht. Andrew, thank you so much for coming back on and taking the time. How's it going? Uh, it's going great. I just got back from Thunder practice. Got to talk to Gordon Hayward for the first time. Um, did not get to talk to Casey Wallace, although it would have been perfect if we. <laughs> so, um, no, I'm I'm grateful that you asked me back on. Well, the 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 pleasure is all mine. Um, I, I I guess quick quick sidetrack. Initial mm -hmm. impressions with the uh, with the Gordon Hayward um, infusion into this team. Yeah, I mean, he kind of fits like a glove. For this team, he sh shoot. You know, it's kind of a becoming like a thunder cliche. Is like they want all their guys to shoot past dribble, and that's what he does. You know, he's really, really, really smart player on both ends. He's a bigger wing, which is what they don't really have on their team, and so I think he'll fit in quite well. So I'm I'm excited to see him tomorrow. He's supposed to play against the Clippers. I, I don't know how much because he hadn't played since December. So we'll see what that looks like. You know how much. You know, what kind of game shape he's in, but I expect that we'll see him maybe 10, 15 minutes tomorrow at least. Love it. Well, I this is already off the rails. I told you beforehand we were just talking about Kaysen, and I already I'm already lying to you. So off to a hot start. Uh, but there are a million things that I could obviously ask you about this Thunder team. Uh, maybe down the road, Chet Holmgren will pop up on the wheel. Uh, but that's a future 
endeavor. Um, but with Casey Wallace, it seemed like when the Thunder took him, um, it caught a lot of people off guard because, you know, the initial thought it wasn't, oh, this team needs another guard. They need another kind of combo-y, uh, you know, pocket knife, do-it-all type of player. Um, were you surprised when they made that selection? And just kind of what were your initial reactions and the, I guess, overall Thunder community's reactions when he was drafted? Yeah, I think that there was some surprise there because when people think about this Thunder team and people still kind of think this is like they need bigger guys around Chet. And so the thought at the time of the draft, or at least like some of the hope was, hey, could they get in on Jairus Walker? Could they get Taylor Hendricks? You know, those are the two guys that I, I think I said those names a thousand <laughs> times in the span of like three weeks. We talked a lot about those guys. Um, I was I was a big Kobe Bufkin guy. I thought that he really kind of fit like the shoot pass dribble, um, you know, prototype for the Thunder. And then when you start, and also it, it was a surprise in that the Thunder are coming a little bit out at this past draft. The Thunder are going into a new phase where they really need guys that are ready to play now because it's going to be really, really hard to play big minutes on this team if you're not ready to go. And honestly, maybe that's maybe they did have Jairus Walker and Taylor Hendricks on their radars. But if you watch them this year, you're like, oh, they probably wouldn't play for this Thunder team right now. Um, same for Kobe Bufkin. Like Bufkin doesn't play for the Hawks. You know, he plays a lot for the G League. He's played some with the Hawks, but mostly with the G League. And so now having that understanding, like Kaysen was one of the guys. He's he's still really young, but he's one of the guys you're like, oh yeah, he's got a role in the NBA right away, just because he has this like baseline level of defense. Shot making is there. He does enough ball handling, enough passing where you're like, all right, like you can give him a small role. And that's exactly what they've given him. So at the time, I was a little surprised that they chose Kaysen. But after kind of understanding a little bit more where they believe they're at, it didn't really shock me to to kind of like put the piece of the puzzle like back together afterwards. It's like, oh, OK, I see it now kind of thing. I I love that you brought up those three names because those were three of the, my kind of dream landing scenarios for the Thunder going into last year's draft. Um, and, you know, Kaysen was right along with them, especially if you're thinking along the Buffkin lines. Mm -hmm. um, I, I know you always kind of do your homework and talk to a ton of people. So was Kaysen like at all on your radar or did you kind of have any kind of preconceived notions about him coming in, into the season or I guess post-draft? Yeah, I mean, he was definitely on my radar. I, I wondered if he was a bit small um to play on this team because they do have a lot of smaller guards i also wondered about they, they just signed lou dort to a contract extension and so he seems he seemed like kind of like super dort to me and i wondered if they would want to have guys that are kind of that play the exact same role or if they would like bring him in as a guy to replace lou eventually and so, like, there was definitely that was on my radar, maybe more than anything. It was like, okay. And I also just wondered about the shooting reliability, too, when I, whenever I thought of him. Uh, as far as, like, pre-draft stuff, like, the Thunder don't leak hardly anything yeah. ever about who they like and what they want to do. And they're very notorious for that. And so I didn't really have much of an idea. It's It's really – it honestly makes it a little bit more fun because <laughs> then you get to, like – you have last year's draft to look at and you're like, okay, this is what I know now about the team. How can I project it onto this next class? And what does that look like? 
And that's, I, I think we, I mean, we definitely discussed Kaysen, but I, I don't think we talked about him as like a guy like, oh my gosh, this should get Hawkins was another guy where like, oh man, like the shooting is clearly there. He's got a little bit more size than Kaysen does, at least at height. He's not definitely not stronger, but he's definitely taller. Uh, so he was another guy that we talked about a lot, but again, a lot of it was bigs. I was a big Anthony Black guy. I mm-hmm. thought maybe they could trade up to get Anthony Black. I don't know how much Anthony Black would play on this team now after watching him. I know he's like, quote unquote, shot the ball well, but no one's guarding him, you know, out to three, maybe ever. Uh, and so it's it's becoming harder and harder to fit guys like that on this team. And with the way we've seen Josh Giddy fit overall with the team, it makes a lot of sense that they wouldn't get him. So anyways, yeah, I I loved, you know, this draft class and kind of like dissecting it. It's such a fun class. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys haven't really been amazing yet, but I, I think that there's you know, this class moving forward is, I think, is going to make a big imprint on the league. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so, and ca- even in college and this year, it feels like Kaysen's kind of doing a lot of the similar stuff where he's not necessarily the do it all superstar, where he's taking over games and being the focal point of the offense or defense, but he's just kind of filling in any gap that's needed in whatever rotation or lineup that he's kind of put into. So mm-hmm. when, when you look at some of his advanced numbers, like the net on off net rating differential and, you know, on off stats are always imperfect, but it's at minus 5.8, not ideal, but not shocking for a rookie. Um, what has he kind of been asked to do um, for this team that has a superstar in SGA, a burgeoning superstar or two of them in Chad Holmgren and Jalen Williams. Um, what has kind of been the role that he's been asked to fill so far for this team? He plays a very small role on this team. He plays tw- about 20 minutes per game. So he's like in the game a lot, mm-hmm. but they ask him to do a, honestly, they ask him to do a lot of different things. And his role has kind of evolved a lot as the season has gone on. So at the beginning of the season, they were just like, let's figure out what this guy is. And so they would like put him in the dunker spot at times and they would have him do guard to guard screen rolls. Um, you know, he would pick and pop or he would be the guy who's popping out to three. Uh, now he's much more of like a, a Lou Dort replacement in the lineup where he goes out there and he defends one of the best perimeter players and he's taking open threes. And that's kind of what he does. And he'll be opportunistic at times with driving and kind of getting to the hoop, taking mid-range shots, but it's mostly catch and shoot threes. And that's about it. Like he didn't really get to the free throw line. He doesn't really initiate a ton of action on his own. He's done that a little bit, but it's really more of, like you said, they're plugging him in in different places and they feel very comfortable with him. And the, and the thing about him that Mark Degnault talked about from day one is his intelligence is that because of his intelligence as a basketball player, they feel very comfortable putting him wherever. And it's also helped that he's like shot the ball like crazy. (laughs) He's like, he's 50, 40, 84, I think for the season, which is, I mean, I don't, I would not have guessed that he could have done something like that, you know, going into the season. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely taken on a, a sizable role with regards to minutes, but with regards to usage, let me look up his usage because it's like, I mean, I I think cleaning the glass had him in like the first percentile. So yeah, it's like, like 12, absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, basketball reference, 12.3% usage. I mean, <laughs> it's really, it's honestly kind of hard to know because I had somebody ask on my show Down to Dunk uh, last week about could 
could Kaysen Wallace be the next, you know, star guard out of Kentucky? I'm like, I have no idea. Like he's he's a twelve percent usage. I mean, yeah. how are you even supposed to know? Like, I mean, you look at the percentages and you're like, oh yeah, he could do it. Like, but like this, I mean, the the diet's so small that how are you really supposed to know? Because he just doesn't shoot the ball that much. I mean, he has twenty six free throws in fifty four games. You know, it's a yeah. really really small role. Yeah, and and just kind of to to build off of that, um, it is a small sample size, but the efficiency numbers right now are absolutely bonkers. You mentioned just kind of the raw shooting numbers, um, but and clean the glass has them in the ninety sixth percentile in points per shot attempt, the hundredth percentile in effective field goal rate. Uh, Synergy had him uh, where is it eightieth percentile in transition, eighty sixth percentile spotting up, ninety seventh percentile as the roll man. I love how they've kind of used him as as the screener and roller and some of that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but then also like 55th percentile as the pick and roll ball handler, but the sample size on all of it is so low. What's your kind of confidence that some of this is real or is there, or are you kind of concerned that there's going to be a real big kind of come back, coming back down to earth for him? Yeah. I think there will be a regression when the usage increases. I, I mean, if, if not, then yeah, he's yeah, like a superstar. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, my guess is that he will shoot the ball more. They will find ways to get him more threes as he continues uh, in his career. And we'll see, you know, we'll see. My my guess is that he's not a 41% three-point shooter. Yeah. Maybe he's like a 37, 38% three-point shooter would be kind of my guess. And maybe re- just really good from the corners, which is what they would need anyways. So, yeah, I I would be surprised if this is who he continued to be. Yeah, he's 46% from the corners. Yeah. I mean, he's he's the kind of the perfect role player because at, at this point, the Thunder have their three stars uh, with Shea, J-Dub, and Chet. And now it's all about how do we find the guys that complement those guys the best? Like how do we... And, and also, how do we find guys that can play this style of defense with us? Kaysen's perfect because it's a lot of... Pack the paint, recover to the perimeter. I mean, you're just, I mean, you're running around like crazy. You're, you're switching. There's cross matches everywhere. I mean, it's, it is, a, it's not the easiest defense to be a part of, which is why you see some guys kind of really struggle there. But if you are like a high effort player like Kaysen, like a Lou Dort, like, you know, Jalen Williams, you know, you can, you can really thrive in it. And that's where I've kind of seen him thrive, where he can be. I don't know if he can be like a star, but he can be like a, you know, I think, I think it was Doc Rivers to say you can be a star in your role, which is where I kind of think Kaysen fits into this puzzle. I don't know that there's a lot of room for him to be able to spread his wings as some like great score, a guy that averages, you know, 20 points per game. I just, I don't think there's room there for him, but I do think there's a ton of room for him to be, even I mean, he could supplant Dort eventually as a starter. I wouldn't be surprised to see that uh, if he is a bench player. I mean, he's going to be one of their best bench players. Are, are the Thunder going to be able to help hang on to guys like Isaiah Joe? You know, in the future is another question. And maybe he just fills that role where he just plays thirty minutes a night off the bench, where you just can plug him in wherever you want. So that would be my guess as to where this is all heading: is that he's going to be a very, very good role player for a very long time in the league. So and role players obviously are a big reason why teams end up winning championships and the Thunder have ascended to that legitimate 
title contender realm now. Um, so you, you kind of mentioned going forward as a role player. Do you think that's kind of more as do, do you think that he does have legitimate like bona fide backup point guard stuff where he can really run the offense and initiate stuff when Shea's off the floor and kind of take some of those responsibilities away from Shea that can help even boost his numbers then kind of down the road? Or do you think it's going to be more of that kind of pseudo uh, blending of worlds between Dort and Isaiah Joe? He definitely has more juice off the dribble than Joe and Dort do. And there's, I don't, I wouldn't want to limit him and say that he couldn't become like a legit backup mm-hmm. point guard. But the way that the Thunder handle their rotations typically is if Shea's not on the court, then usually J Dub's on the court. And so he's going to handle the ball a lot, or Giddy's on the court and he's going to handle the ball a lot. So there's not a ton of opportunities because of the way that they stagger their lineups. He's, he's all, you know, this season he's always been more of a secondary creator and he's thrived in that. But is there room for him to become a primary initiator of offense? Yeah, I think there is. You know, is Josh Giddy long for the Thunder? There's a lot of people that have questions about that. And perhaps Kaysen Wallace becoming a much better player, even over like to year two, to year three, year four, it may become more obvious that like, oh, okay, this guy can take this role and actually do it better than Josh can. Uh, because he is a better defender, he's a better shooter, he can do all these things, and he can handle and pass. And But we're still a long ways off from that. You know, it's all kind of theoretical. We've seen it, like you said, we've seen it in like very, very small chunks. And I don't know, and the Thunder, I give a lot of credit to Coach Degnault because he will just give guys just enough that they can handle. And he calls it clearing hurdles. He talked about like Chet and J-Dub just continued to clear hurdles over and over and over again. And they haven't exactly given Kaysen more hurdles to clear from what I've seen. And, and maybe that's happening behind the scenes. Like, you know, we're not privy to everything, mm-hmm. you know, that the Thunder do. And so in game, I haven't seen them giving him a whole lot more responsibilities. They kind of have settled him into this role, but you do wonder over the summer that that's their real first chance to get better. You know, it's really tough to come in as like a much better player than you were at the at like the combine and all of that. But you you get your first chance to become a better player. And we've seen what you know Jalen Williams has been able to do. I mean, the, the guy looks like a future all-star now with just one summer. You know, what does it look like for Kaysen who gets to work out with these guys, who gets to kind of be under the wing of Shea Gildas Alexander, who is literally gotten better every year since like his sophomore year of high school, you know, it's insane. And so I think, I think he's going to have a chance, but there's the, the room to become like the big, like actualized like self is, is much smaller. The window is so much smaller to actually like spread your wings and become like some awesome, great, you know, all-star potential type of player. So um, I think that there's there's more challenges for Kaysen than if he were drafted here like two years ago. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, uh, thank you so much for the time. Uh, huge fans of Kaysen Wallace over here. Very excited to see how him and this Thunder team continue to grow, um, especially since, God, they're so young. But wow. please p- plug away, tell everyone where they can find you and how they can support all of your endeavors. Yeah, go check out the Athletic NBA show. Subscribe uh, to that wherever you get your podcasts. And then if you are into the thunder, go listen to Down to Dunk and go check out our YouTube page. Just search Down to Dunk. We'd really appreciate that.
everyone, please go support Andrew. He's the best. They do incredible work everywhere he's involved. So, Andrew, thank you again. Thanks a lot. I can't thank Andrew enough. That was a really fun conversation. He provided a lot of light and kind of insight into Kaysen, um, who has been really, really impressive in such a small role this year. So if you're not already supporting Andrew, please make sure to go do go go do so. Um, he's just one of the best people in the business and deserves all your support. Uh, this episode was a blast. Uh, thank you for everyone who joined us in the comments. Uh, to all of you listeners. Um, subscribers, No Ceilings Plus subscribers. Uh, can't thank you guys enough for your support. It means the world. And the fact that our numbers continue to grow week over week uh, is just a testament to all of you. And you're, you're all just the absolute best. So in case you missed it, uh, Tyler Rucker posted a awesome piece over at NoCeilingsNBA.com. It's just a, one of the most comprehensive cheat sheets for this draft. If you're behind and need to get caught up, um, go check it out. If you haven't watched enough tape on one guy and are looking to be sold on another, make sure to go check it out. He's covering pretty much everyone possible. Um, and he will have a part two coming out, I think next week, but all of that can be found over at NoCeilingsNBA.com and on his Twitter at Tyler underscore Rucker. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11. I will have a piece on Jerry McCain out on Friday, so make sure to go check that out as well. But if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Until next time, see ya.